everyone, this is Jeffrey Care. About 959 plays from 33 countries were submitted for the yearly Italian competition known as the Carlo Annoni Playwriting Prize. Currently one of the top 11 finalists and in the running to win when the award is announced this September is craft store sitcom The Play. It is a six-episode sitcom presented before a live theater audience. Over the course of two hours, we see store employees navigate six crafting holidays and more than a little hijinks. After countless hours performing improv comedy together at the Idiot Box Comedy Club in Greensboro, North Carolina, the three guests joining me today decided to turn their skills to a slightly more permanent art form. They set out to create a unique live theater experience that drew on their combined strengths, pulling talent from the local improv comedy scene, a sneak preview performance of the first episode of Craft Store Sitcom, The Play, will premiere as part of the North Carolina Comedy Festival at the Idiot Box Comedy Club in downtown Greensboro on Friday, September 3rd at 7 p.m. Would each of you mind introducing yourselves one by one? I'm Rankin Willard. I'm AJ Schrader. I am Bob Bashir. Now to start things off, how are each of you doing? I'm hanging in there, I guess. Best case scenario in the current times. Yeah, yeah, you know, can't complain. Or I won't complain. Because <laughs> my problems are very small compared mm -hmm. to problems that exist. So we're just doing the best we can. I'm doing great. And would you mind telling us about Craft Store Sitcom The Play? Craft Store Sitcom The Play uh, is a collaboration uh, between us three. Rankin approached us with the idea of a play that acted like a TV sitcom. We started kind of throwing ideas around and we landed on craft store sitcom, a workplace sitcom, six episodes or kind of large mini acts, like you would be binging an entire season of a workplace sitcom, but it's live on stage. And so it's a, it goes through like the normal kind of seasonal arc of a sitcom. That's the gist of it. This project marks the first theatrical collaboration between the three of you. What has it been like for you going about with this? Well, when we first started, it seemed like a very natural progression of our friendship and working together. AJ and Bob had done sketch comedy together for many years, and the three of us were doing improv comedy together. And so we thought, why don't we work on something, just the three of us, and something that has a little more lasting to it. But then it became a little more complicated when <laughs> a couple of months into the project, we couldn't get together in person anymore. And so at that point, I feel like we had to decide whether to put it on the shelf or to buckle down and try to make something that uh, we were really proud of. And I think through a uh, difficult but fun process, we ended up with something that I'm really happy with. Yeah. And how are things going with it? So thus far, we haven't actually had a full production of it yet, but we were able to submit it to various contests and festivals. And we were already a finalist for one of the like just writing contests we submitted to. Our kind of pilot episode of the play was accepted in the North Carolina Comedy Festival. So we're gearing up for that kind of mini production of it. So far, all the response have, has been very positive. We did a couple kind of cold reads over Zoom as we were working through the script, incorporated a lot of good feedback from kind of the diverse group of actors that we had involved, and it really helped inform the writing process. 
Yeah, I hate to like fall into the stereotype of creative people needing validation, but after 18 months of writing it and no one reading it that we didn't know personally for the first group of people who read it and said, yeah, this is good. That was very nice. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, the people that have read it or encountered it in some way, shape or form have been very positive. Uh, the feedback's been really really nice since this is sort of like a television show where you have multiple scripts well i guess what's it been like for each of you to really flesh out these characters and the stories you go on one of the things that we encountered sort of three quarters of the way through the writing process we had already done zoom read through or two and we always asked the people involved in the zoom readings to give us you know any any and all feedback positive, critical, whatever. And one of them said, what if this one character were a woman instead of a man? And it had been a character we had sort of been struggling with trying to find like a, just something more to do with them or something wasn't clicking. And when we applied that, all these other things just started kind of coming online and kind of came together. Uh, so that's a specific example. And I'll turn it over to one of my collaborators if they want to uh, say anything. For me, as we've started rehearsing for the North Carolina Comedy Festival performance, a lot of the characters that were very specific in my head, seeing an actor do a very different interpretation of them that is like just as wonderful, if not more wonderful than what I was picturing has been really great. Because you see that the joke that you had in your head is still funny. But someone telling it in a completely different way just like opened my mind to, oh, right, these characters, they don't come alive until someone's performing them, which is the wonderful thing about theater to me, is that it's right there in front of you and the person can do what they want with it. And for me in the writing process, it was interesting because someone took a first pass on kind of each episode. And so then a lot of the rewriting process has been like kind of the nitty gritty character consistency things where like we had a basic idea of who these characters was, but to kind of come together and form an agreement on that. Like sometimes we lose a joke that was good, but in favor of a more character consistent joke. Yeah, we get to say those important but obnoxious things like she would not say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially after we would hear someone say it, we'd be like, oh, no, no. oh, no, <laughs> that's so wrong. <laughs> and as the whole world is slowly coming out of this pandemic, what does it mean to each of you to have this play presented to an in-person audience? Everything. <laughs> Being able to actually get it up on its feet and get that kind of live feedback. We've been looking for that this whole time because we all have backgrounds in live theater, like Rankin was saying, various forms. And we all know that, you know, you don't really get that full circle of an experience with it until you see it performed live, even and especially when you've been involved in making it. And so even just in rehearsals that we've had a couple of in-person rehearsals so far and getting ready for the North Carolina Comedy Festival, and just that kind of energy alone has been just soul filling. <laughs> like you said, coming out of the pandemic after so many months of not having that. Thematically, the play itself deals a lot with kind of just the small moments in life and the small connections we make with people, people coming into your life and going out and then having a chance to reconnect with people when they're different. I think we're all experiencing that now as we get a chance to 
be amongst people again and seeing how people have changed, but still having those bonds. So be able to see that parallel in the actual world while we're putting this play on is just kind of neat to me to find those things that I didn't even know were kind of in the script that are still reflective of the world. I think for me, the original idea being that you're taking an experience of seeing a sitcom performed live, like you would see a taping in I mean, there's not that many sitcoms anymore, if any that are taped live, but the ones that you do taking that experience and bringing it to people who wouldn't be able to be part of that, either in the audience or on stage. Most of us won't get to be in a sitcom on television in our lives, but if you could do it in a small theater in your local town, letting that idea finally come true, like the core of the idea, I'm nervous and really excited for that to finally happen. And going back to the beginning, how did each of you first get started in the theater? I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons, and just that idea of being a different character kind of led me into enjoying improv games and things. And then in high school, my older brother had been in a play, so when the kind of high school theater department needed more guys... They asked me if I'd kind of sign up for a theater class as my brother was graduating. And I was hoping primarily to just do behind the scenes work initially, but then I kind of fell in love with every aspect of theater. I ended up going to college, kind of dealing with whether I want to do more visual art or performance stuff. And I got involved in the, like a local improv theater, which is we're all a part of called the Idiot Box Comedy Club. And that's when like it really cemented in my life of like, oh yeah, performance and stage performance, live performance is an intrinsic part of me. I grew up doing like local theater and once I was able to in school, I jumped on almost all the bandwagons, did musical theater and plays in high school and then got to college thinking I was going to be a, a biology major, like a dum-dum, and then auditioned for the fall play my freshman year, got in it. It was our town. I couldn't be more stereotypical. <laughs> and I joined as a theater major in college after loving it so much. Started doing improv in college. And then like AJ was just saying, I moved to Greensboro to pursue some graduate work and got hooked up with the Idiot Box Comedy Club here. And from there, it was kind of just automatically a part of my life moving forward. So I've stuck with that the whole time. And I started when I was a little kid, a local production of Scrooge, the stingiest man in town was going on. <laughs> and they needed a kid that was quiet enough backstage to play Tiny Tim. And I took that on and I did musical theater for a while as a little kid. And then it turned out I wasn't a great singer. I like to say I was punched in the throat by puberty. After that, that's one of the reasons that I had the idea for the show is that there weren't a lot of opportunities for non-musical theater in local community theater. So I took a bit of a time off. And then during college, when they were doing regular plays, I started back up again. My best friend started an improv troupe at school. I was okay at it and been doing that ever since. AJ, you happen to have such extensive experience in sketch comedy. How does it apply to craft store sitcom? The comedy is there throughout. The idea of shorter scenes, each having a game within kind of the larger piece. 
it helped us kind of outline everything of like, oh, even though there's this larger story happening, each thing needs to have a specific little gimmick to kind of get us through and flesh out the comedy of each moment. So there's a lot of the customers throughout the show. They're all minor characters, but they're big characters in kind of the same way you would see in a sketch comedy show where, you know, you can easily define this hyperbole of a character and see that play out that they have a defining characteristic that they get to go big for their like brief time on stage, but they get to have almost the most fun of anyone when they're on stage. And Bob, you have a doctorate in Shakespearean literature. How does that apply to this project? I'm good at writing things for a long time, a long, long time. <laughs> Studying Shakespeare really helped me gain an appreciation for language, the flexibility of it. And I see no better use for flexibility of language than in a comedy when so much is about misunderstanding or miscommunication and the kind of hilarity that ensues from those accidents, those mistakes, those really low stakes problems. And taking from Shakespearean comedy, especially putting characters in low stakes, problematic scenarios and seeing how they navigate themselves out of it, being able to kind of approach that sort of organically and naturally because of my background was a big help. And there might be some twins in the play. Right. There might be a twin <laughs> plot, you know, in a farcical setting. Who knows? And Rankin, you have a background in visual arts. How does that apply to craft store sitcom? I definitely thought of a lot of the comedy while we were writing it in visual terms. Like I wanted as much as it's a dialogue heavy show. I felt like there needed to be as much visual comedy as possible and that we were able to get that across in the script. And as well, now that we're doing the production for the comedy festival, I'm doing sets and props and fun stuff like that, which this is a much more uh, social project for me. And my art is very internal and individual. And so I get to, you know, hide out in my room and make fake pieces of birthday cake and stuff like that, that we use in the show. And it also helps to know the various prices of things like balsa wood, right? True. <laughs> I, I have spent a lot of hours in craft stores over my life. So that helped a little bit for sure. And before we go, do either of you have any other upcoming projects that you'd like to share with us? AJ and I also belong to a sketch group called Trouble with Shapes. Uh, and we've got a show coming up as a part of the North Carolina Comedy Festival, too. And I've got a solo sketch piece that I've done a couple of times that I'm going to call PowerPoints that I'm going to do in that same festival. And hopefully, assuming things are allowed to stay open, perhaps take it on the road this next year. And then I occasionally work on a podcast called I Wrote You a Pilot, where I have a guest on and hastily write a ridiculous bad pilot episode of a show for them to star in. And in addition to Trouble with Shapes, I'm also part of couple other sketch groups, one uh, Wikimedians with Steve Lesser and also Unstoppable Failure with uh, my younger brother, Aldon Schrader. And if anyone wants to check out my visual art, they're welcome to do that at RankinWillard.com. And for those who have interest in writing plays themselves, where do you think would be a good place to start? Reading as many as you can. And if you've already been involved in the theater and you've read a ton of plays and you like reading plays, just be prepared to ditch your first, second, third, fourth ideas and settle on something much later in the process. I think just making a schedule for yourself, whether it's yeah. once a week 
uh, twice a week, whatever, just that it's a regular thing where you give yourself homework, basically, I find is the easiest way to actually get a project done. I'd say have someone who's committed to reading it when you're done. So you have at least one audience member in your head. And there's a lot of people out there who are interested in looking at your art and you shouldn't be afraid to ask people for their opinions because we all have one. AJ, Bob, Rankin, I thank you all very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to each of you. Likewise. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And for those who'd like to keep up with either of your careers, where can people find you on the internet? My writing website is bobbashir.com. I'm on Facebook under Bob Bashir, and I'm on Instagram as Bigelow underscore Bobalo. And uh, yeah, come find me. Hit me up. Ask some questions about theater and comedy. Happy to talk. My portfolio website is thedillydilly.com. Then most of my current sketch projects can be found through troublewithshapes.com. And we're also on Facebook that way. And I'm at rankinwillard.com or at rankinwillard anywhere on the internet. And thanks again for joining me today. This was great. Thank you so much. Thanks. As a reminder... A sneak preview performance of the first episode of Craft Store Sitcom The Play will premiere as part of the North Carolina Comedy Festival at the Idiot Box Comedy Club in downtown Greensboro on Friday, September 3rd at 7 p.m. You can find more information regarding it through a link in the episode notes. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.